My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth, and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15-plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Birth Experience. So I just recorded an episode with Kara Swanson, who is a nutritionist, and she shared all the insight about changing your diet if you're struggling with anything related to inflammation. And it was such a good show. But I wanted to do another episode with her because she has a pretty incredible birth story. So we're going to talk about your birth story, Kara. Yay, I'm excited. I am too. So we're just going to dive right in. So tell me your pregnancy and birth journey and how you ended up pursuing a VBAC. Yeah. So I think it starts obviously with my first two. So I had two girls, two C-sections, and I thought I was being an advocate. My first one, I was young, didn't really know what I was doing, but it almost, it ended up basically in a, an emergency C-section. And I was disappointed because it wasn't what I wanted, but I was okay with it. And then my second one, I was like, okay, I am getting a V-back. This is going to be awesome. And I thought I found a doctor who wanted the same thing, who was for it and encouraging, but it wasn't that way. I had to see, it was a like an office where you had to see a bunch of different doctors. And so each one told me different things. And so I was just confused, but still hopeful. But then when it came down to it, they told me I needed to schedule a C-section and I was like crushed. And, and what was their reasoning? Why? They, they told me that when I, after 42 weeks, if I, or 40 weeks, I don't remember if it was 40. They would only let me go to 42 weeks or 41 or something, whatever it was. But if I wasn't like any showing any signs, they were just going to do a C-section. No reason, honestly. When I was just, I didn't know at the time that I had more of a voice because I would have left or I would have found, like I would have just been like, I'm finding someone to help me. But I even went in, I remember three days before my scheduled C-section was just like, can you check me? Is there any possibility? Please let me. And they just said no. And so that was really hard just because I just felt like I thought I was doing things right, but it, it, it wasn't. And I was just frustrated with my body that it wasn't going into labor either. But it was a more gentle C-section, I would say. I did ask for skin to skin right away. I asked them to wait to cut the cord. And so that felt better. And just a lot more recovery was better with my first one. I got a horrible infection. I was hospitalized for two weeks. So it just was like a lot of trauma with the first one. And then the second one was better, but still not what I wanted and still just felt just disappointed. I'm thankful, obviously, for healthy babies, but just wanted that 
that birth experience. Then I got pregnant again. And we, I immediately called all the doctors, my old doctor, they were like, Nope, not doing it. And I called just a bunch of different places, I think 10, 12 places. Do you like, will you take me? How many C-sections have you had? And I was like, two. They're like, no, we only do it after one. I was like, Oh, okay. So I finally, somebody finally was like, no one in the area is going to do this for you. And they're like, but there is a hospital, there's an Iowa city. It's two, almost two hours away, one way. And they're like, they will do them. And so I was like, okay. So I called and the nurse was like, yeah, we do them all the time. That's no problem. And I was like, wait, what? Like, she just was so kind. And I'm like, okay, I think this is my place. Because you understand that in your city, women's bodies cannot do it, but two hours away, they are capable of doing it. You just didn't know that. I know. I know. I was shocked that just I just had to go two hours away. <laughs> it was so frustrating. So frustrating. But I was just so grateful that I at least there was an option. And so I went to, I called them, made an appointment, and immediately I was just like, this is the place. My doctor was incredible. She not only did I feel like she was okay with it, it was like she wanted it for me. Every I love time that. I yes. It was just like she just holds such a special place in my heart. I think about it all the time because I'm just like the fact that I would come in and she'd be like, Kara, I thought about you this week. A gal came in, she was in labor and she had a C-section scheduled, but we just asked her if she wanted to try. And she ended up having a VBAC after two C-sections. And I was like, wait, what? You like actually let, gave her the opportunity. It was just a cool relationship. And yeah. And that shows the difference for you guys listening. I have a free form that you can get. That's our provider questionnaire. We'll link to it in the show notes because it's really life-changing, birth-changing. If your provider is VBAC friendly, compared to VBAC tolerant, because there's tons of doctors who say, oh yeah, I do VBACs. But when push comes to shove, they, and they do a repeat C-section for every, you sneeze wrong, you really need to have a C-section. It doesn't matter. And a VBAC friendly doctor who really wants it and is like your provider, if it comes to a point where a C-section is a better option for you, you trust them you know that it's true. That is huge. And that is just as huge as being supported is to be able to trust that they're not leading you in a way that's convenient for them, but really is the best path for you. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah. Made all the difference. And one of the big things, I always had a huge list, especially the first, I was more, when I went into the first appointment too, it was different is because I felt like I was interviewing them. Are you a good fit for me? I'm not just blindly going to go with you this time. You should though. That should be the norm for even a first time mom. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And so I had all these questions. Would, if it comes to this, what are you going to, are you going to make me go to have a C-section? Can you induce me? That was a big question because my first, I went to 42 weeks. My second, I believe it was only 41 weeks that they let me go. And so I was like, I think my body just takes a little bit longer. Would you allow me to go longer? And if I don't, would you induce? And thankfully they would. There was two options that they said that I would have. They would do Pitocin, but they would start at a very low dose and then gradually increase. And then they would do a cook catheter. And so I was like, okay, great. Like that just gave me even more hope that like I have a backup if my body 
I love that because when you were first talking, you said that with your second, you were really disappointed in your body. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm disappointed in your doctors. Like your body was doing its thing and it's perfect. And you've learned that now, but we're so more like, we're just much more likely to mistrust our body than our provider. Mm -hmm. Like it's really sad, honestly, but okay. So now you're with the right doctor. You're on the right path. Was there anything you did like that or that your doctor recommended to prepare for your VBAC or did you just do the normal things that a pregnant mama does? Yeah, I was very healthy. I was running still, working out, trying to eat healthy, trying to do everything I could do. Lots of dates, pineapple, bouncing on the ball, walk, sex, acupuncture, chiropractor, like all the things. But my body didn't go into labor naturally. But I still felt okay because I just, I knew I was in the right place and I knew we had options. And so we we were going to be induced if I didn't by 41 weeks. And so the day came, we woke up, I think at 4am to get to our 6am induction time because the two hour drive, but it was, they just, uh, once I got in there, they just started on Pitocin right away of really low dose and just monitored me. And I walked around and just tried to get things going, but it took a long time, even with the Pitocin and nothing was changing. And that was a really mindset game for me as well. I know in our previous podcast, we talked about mindset and it was such a mindset game for me just during my labor and just wondering and trying to fight, honestly, the fears of, is this going to work? Will my body work, right? Will it do what it's supposed to do? And so I had to constantly like push that aside and just trust the process. But I still wasn't dilated for a really long time hours. And then they were finally like, let's go ahead and try the cook catheter. And at this time I was unmedicated. That was honestly a goal of mine was to go unmedicated because I don't know if this is completely true, but I had heard that getting an epidural would can slow things down. And so in my mind, I was trying to do everything. I'm not doing anything that can slow this down. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I will like, if I have to endure it, I will endure it. They put the cook catheter in, but I didn't realize that it really escalates very quickly with the cook catheter. They did not explain that to me. It doesn't always, it doesn't always. I would say your body was probably on the brink of taking over. Okay. Yeah, it kicked in and it was excruciating contractions one on top of the other. And I we finally went to the tub and the tub helped a little bit, but I like to say I was breathing and trying to like moan and through it nicely, but my husband says I was screaming and I looked over at him at one point and he had just who's to say the difference? <laughs> he had his hands over his ears and I was like, "Okay, maybe he's right, but I'm going like this, I'm yeah. trying." But anyways, they were like, okay, like she's been laboring in the tub for hours, excruciating pain in there. It just was on top of the other. I just couldn't get catch my breath. And the nurse and my husband had a conversation and they just were like, I think it's time for an epidural. And that was really hard. And I was just like, I don't know if I, I don't want that. Because in my mind, it was again, if I get that's like a check against me almost in my mind that this would slow things down. But I got out of the tub and that's when it just got, even worse. I just honestly couldn't even breathe. Like it just was so bad. But so we decided through tears that I would get an epidural and definitely, obviously a lot of relief from that (laughs) immediately from that. And I just had to trust because I knew I could, but it was just, can I sustain this for if I had to go for hours? And it was just so painful. But 
we decided to do the epidural. And after the epidural, they checked me again. And I was only one centimeter dilated after like hours again. This I think was five hours. And so again, I was just like, what is happening? Is my body going to be able to do this? I just labored for hardcore for quote unquote, nothing. But the whole time and what I loved about my doctors and the nurse is that they never said, Carrie, you only have, you only have until 10 PM. If you don't, if we're going to, there was never this pressure. Which is also a mind game that Mm -hmm. messes with your head. Yes. Yeah. They just kept telling me, honestly, you have plenty of time. You have plenty of time. And so yeah. I was just like, okay, I have plenty of time. Like I wasn't, and maybe they were talking in the back. You VBACs know, like, are slow. Like I, I have this in the VBAC lab. All I wish you had taken the VBAC lab so bad. And even while you're talking, because one of the things that truly sets me apart from anyone else is that I offer my virtual doula services, which I have three doulas that work with me. And once my mama's hit around 35 weeks or sooner, if they want, they can add the virtual services membership to their birth classes. They do have to have they whoever does virtual services to have the labor bat signal, which is what I'm going to talk about. They have to have taken my classes because we're going to be navigating their labor and birth with them. And we don't like during birth, you don't have time to explain all the things. So we want to make sure they've learned it from my style. And so we offer it's 39 a month and they get access to what we call the labor bat signal. And that starts at 37 weeks, unless there's something else going on. We don't care. They can start it earlier. But When they're in a situation like that, hey, I am, and a lot of times it's the partner who will send out a signal, they can send a message to me or one of the doulas and be like, listen, this is what's happening. Baby is at this station. She's been one for six hours. She's had Pitocin. She's had a Foley. What do we do? And then my doulas really are magical with positioning, but we're like, okay, let's try the abdominal lift and let's do this because- I can hear what wasn't happening is your baby was not farther enough into the pelvis to put pressure on the cervix. And so when we hear those things, we say, okay, this is the position you need to get in. Do this. Let's move that baby lower. And unfortunately, a lot of labor nurses, even if they're amazing, they're not taking classes outside of what their hospital provides. And so it's going to be a very limited training. And so when you have nurses who are spinning babies certified or they've gone above and beyond to learn how the female body works, it's just like what you said with nutrition, same thing. But when you work with your body, because here's what happens when you are induced, the stars are not aligned per se, unless they are, because sometimes they are. But The whole labor process does not just begin with contractions. It begins with the baby coming down and putting pressure on the cervix, telling the brain to produce oxytocin, the oxytocin squeezing the the uterine. So that's why we add this, because you can get so defeated during labor when things aren't moving or doing or whatever. And so we're able to say, no, let's try this. Let's do that. And The other thing about like the amount of pain you were in ahead of time, 
I always say it's like trying to like shove a door open that has a dresser on the other side and you're pushing the dresser and the door. So your body was like the Pitocin, the Foley was doing all that extra pushing and it's exhausting and it can be painful. So a lot of people are like, and I'm teaching a, a workshop tonight on inductions. A lot of people are like, I've heard inductions are worse. It's not so much that the inductions are worse. It's that you skip all that slow go at home that you don't even know that's happening. So by the time you're actually in full-blown labor, your body's done all that work by itself without telling you. And now when you're being induced, you're having to do all of it at once. And it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting to do that. And VBAC on top of it, it's slow because we can't be aggressive. So anyway, all that to say, I all of that, all of that to say whatever, I don't know. No, I think it would be, it would have been so helpful. That's something that I think about. What would I have changed to have someone in my corner like that to be like, oh, get in this position, do this. Have no? a doula, yeah. And uh, doulas are, I am such a fan of doulas, but that's another reason. And I have a lot of students who have a natural in-person doula and our virtual services, but we're giving those moms who maybe can't afford to spend $2,000 for a doula access to a doula. Now we're not 24 seven. So if you, this is happening at three in the morning, one of my doulas might be up breastfeeding, but other than that, it's, but it's a really insane service because we are all so passionate that all women should have people supporting them and cheering them on. And it just doesn't happen. It's not happening. More often is it happening what happened to you the first and second time than what happened with you the third time. Like it's very unusual for a provider to be like yours. So kudos to her. Yeah. And that's why I've, I've shared it so much. And I've had women reach out and say, I went to your doctor. Or what doctor specifically did you go to? Or they've gone, you know, drove the two hours, sometimes even further, you know, because I, and I love that because I want them to know you have a choice. You can advocate for this and you can do this, even though other doctors aren't willing to do it. Your body's yeah, and, not broken. And you, you weren't can do it. just a name on a list. Like she thought yes. about you. She mm -hmm. thought about your birth. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. I love that yeah. so much. So you're, now you have an epidural you're relaxed. Did you rest after you got your epidural? I did. Yes, okay, good. absolutely. I, that is number one advice. If you're going to get an epidural, take advantage of the rest. Yep. Yep. I rested and my sister came, my, my husband was there obviously. And then my sister came, I had asked her to take, I wanted her to take pictures because I didn't have any, I couldn't even do that. That wasn't an option before. And so I was like, if I'm having a VBAC, we were having pictures. So she came and um, we just relaxed and rested, chatted. And then I felt a little pop between my legs. And I remember, I wondered if my water had broken, but I remembered that they said, is it a cook catheter? Am I saying that right? You called it something else. Yeah. It can be a Foley or a cook. Okay. So I, so they said it would come out on its own if you're dilated around five to six. And so I was like, okay is this it? So they came and checked me and I was out of five to six. I was 90% in face and my bag of waters was sitting really low. And I just remember being super excited because that's the farthest I'd ever been in labor. So I was like, okay, like, like I think yes, my, my body, body is can doing do this. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yep. Lots of happy tears throughout this, like and sad tears of oh, just a lot of emotions. But no, I was just super excited. And we had talked about after two hours, we kind of reassess if my water hadn't broken. And so it, it hadn't broken. And so they went ahead and, and broke the water for me. And I kept feeling a lot of pressure. And I remember it was like 3am. And I remember feeling down over like my pubic area and feeling like a big bump. And I was like, what is going on? And it's like, that's the head. The head is moving down where it needs to go. So I was really excited. And then an hour or so later, my doctor came in and, and checked. And I just kept telling her, I'm like, I'm feeling just a lot of pressure like going on down there. And she said, she was like, wow, like your baby's head is right there. Like it's time to push. And I just remember being like, I remember asking her like, really? Wait, like, you mean it's time? Like, I can actually, I get to do this? Like, just so excited, but shocked too. And she was like, she laughed and she was like, yes, like it's time. So there was actually a lot of nurses and this wasn't my doctor. And we had mentioned this before, but another doctor had come in, but my doctor was in the room, like right there next to me. And um, a lot of other nurses, I think everyone wanted to watch <laughs> this happen. And it was just really well, exciting. They were all cheering you on. I love that. That's how it should be. If you guys are listening and you are going for a VBAC and you do not feel that support, like your provider should be your cheerleader and your provider should want it for you because it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I love it. Okay. So we're ready to push. Yeah, we're ready to push. And they told me they would, were treating me as like a first time labor delivery. They said it would take about two hours. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, okay. And I just remember this moment just being like, really just surreal that I was like, actually being able to push like that I got this far and just what a dream that it was because that's I just really wanted to experience it. I'm so thankful for the babies and the C sections that got them there. But I was like, I just want to experience it naturally in this way. And yeah, I want to read something to you because I have my class slides pulled up for tonight's masterclass. And while you've been talking, I keep thinking of Katie because I added her story to this class. And Katie in here says, I can't remember when it fully sunk in that I was going to be able to deliver my baby vaginally. I think perhaps when I was almost ready to push, it just seemed too good to be true. And I keep thinking of you. It gives me chills because that's what I love about, I I have such a special little corner of my heart for my VBAC lab mamas because they go through such a range of mental health things. And a lot of it is just thinking their body failed them and their body isn't, my body's not like hers. My body's not, my whole life I've thought about having a baby and delivering my baby vaginally and then my body can't do it. And so that moment when they're like, oh my God, I'm about to do it. And you're like, yes, body, you're awesome. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And even to that point, I remember thinking, it was like this constant like battle still, even while I was getting ready to push or even even while I was pushing, I, w- I remember feeling just a, just an incredible calmness and like extremely focused. Like my husband, you were just like zoned in, like I am getting this baby out, I'm doing this. But even, yeah, even then though, I was thinking, what if they tell me to stop pushing? I still had that in the back of my head. That's why I was like, 
I got to do this as fast as I can. I'm pushing as hard as I Nobody's can. Nobody's taking not, this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm not letting them stop me. And I remember something, I don't even know for sure what went off. They were all the doctors were looking at something. And I remember my doctor saying, she's fine. She's fine. Just, and I have no idea what it was, but just, they were like, nope, she's good. Let's let, get, keep, let her keep going. So I bet it, I bet the baby was having a deceleration is probably yeah, what happened. I don't know, but I was just like, it was, so I just started pushing and I remember they were like, they told me that the head was right there and they asked me if I wanted to feel the head and I was like, heck yeah, I want to feel it. So I reached down and that was just really cool. You know, it's amazing, that, right? That is, is an amazing feeling. Amazing. Like you're like, oh my God, that is a person's head right there. <laughs> yeah, and That's what my body was supposed to do. So yeah, it was really cool. And yeah, I just kept pushing and I actually looked at my doctor and I was like, I, just tears. And I was like, I am doing this. I'm actually doing this. When she just cheered me on and I pushed for another 15 minutes. I actually only pushed for 30 minutes. Yeah, not the two hours. And we actually didn't know the gender. We decided to wait and it was a boy, which was I knew, just like- I knew that was coming. <laughs> we had two girls and just the cherry on top, just all of it. It was just sweet. And I, yeah. It was just the best experience. I just remember thinking, and still even now, if I was going to have another kid, I was like, I want to do that again. That was just like the best moment yeah. ever. It's that oxytocin flowing. <laughs> I, I love that so much because that provider from your hometown could have stolen all of that from you. And, and so many do. And you could have probably experienced that with your second baby if you would have had a supportive provider. And it's such a shame that like even thinking about like your body and my body labor is completely different than anyone I've ever labored. And the thing is that we're all different. We're all individual. And to think that we're all going to go into labor at the same time, we're going to do this at the same time and our babies are going to weigh the same and all of that is so limiting and it's so frustrating. And that's why I'm so passionate about changing this culture to the birth culture has to change. Like we put so many limitations on ourselves when our bodies are so capable of doing so much more. And it's frustrating. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so glad we did it in two extra little episodes. So much fun. And for those of you guys listening, I, as Kara was talking, I was thinking a lot about my mamas who have not experienced a vaginal delivery and who may maybe won't ever be able to. I just want you guys to know that your body is incredible and we have cesareans for an amazing reason. And thank God we do because it's life-saving. The problem is when it's done out of convenience for someone else or we're, they just aren't giving our bodies an opportunity. So if you're listening and you haven't had the, this, this experience, we're so proud of you. And thank goodness we have cesareans, like really, truly, because there would be a lot of really horrible, tragic births if we didn't. This may not be everyone's journey and that's also okay. So thank you so much for coming today. I hope you enjoyed listening to Kara's birth story as much as I did. I am so obsessed with birth stories. You think I'd be over them now after 16 years of birth? 
but no, I'm not. I love them. And of course, I have a special little place for my VBAC mamas. If you're interested in joining the VBAC lab, hit the link in the show notes. And if you have any questions, send us a DM on Instagram. As always, leave a review and subscribe. Do it now. And I will see you again next Friday. Bye for now.